0: Previously on 24. It was. It's really fun. It's really fun. And it was really the most fun to show people. I had some of the earliest projects at Sundance when they had New Frontiers and was just starting virtual reality. And um, watching people watch it for the first time was, and still to this day, is one of my favorite things. Because you can't unsee it. Right. Once you see that, you're in the Matrix. Right. You can't go back. And it was so it was like little power trip to be like, I'm going to show you something and you're never going to come back from this experience.
1: See, this is a good segue right into point break. (laughs)
2: We've done this one other time before we did it with Derek Board and we did a thing called filmnesia. And the whole premise of filmnesia. filmnesia is to take a pill developed by the scientists of the world to make you forget a movie so you can experience it again for the first time, but with your experienced eyes of how many years it's been since you saw that movie. He picked Angel Heart and we discussed it briefly with you, you beforehand. And, and we're not doing angel uh, heart. That we're not doing angel heart. Cause yeah, because that would be weird, right? Be weird. You said something I had anticipated being the conundrum, if you will, a good one, that there wasn't just one movie that comes to mind that you would want to experience again for the first time. And, and why, why don't you go ahead and talk about those movies and what they mean for you? Because obviously they're, they're different for different reasons and how they affect you as a person, but also maybe how they may affect you now and how you carry about your, your, your art as a photographer and, a, and as a cinematographer.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm like, I think I counter what I was saying earlier about being decisive. I I could not choose. I had three, but very different reasons. Um, one of my favorite films is spirit of the beehive. And that film is just such a wonderful story. And this, you know, in the Spanish civil war and this girl sees Frankenstein, it's about movies and movies inside. And, and, um, The cinematographer was going blind um, during that film. And so a lot of it was exposed by Polaroid, by shadow, I believe. And what I know now about filmmaking, to go back and rewatch something that somebody had, was unable to really clearly see what they were doing and just going off of light and shadow would be fascinating.
1: Yeah, I, I, I honestly am in the claim. I did not know that until just now. I mean, I knew it because we started to have a conversation about the blind part, of it, mm-hmm. which I won't say why, but I didn't know that really.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he wow. didn't. He went fully blind in 1980 um, or in the 80s, but he was starting during that wow. film.
1: Definitely something that, that yes. that's something that I will totally rewatch with that knowledge. Now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Like, that's just something. So and then this, mm-hmm. the another movie was um, Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love which I think is one of my absolute favorite films from a cinematography perspective and from a storytelling perspective and just how Christopher Doyle weaves that in to the story and the editing. I mean, it's just, it's, everything is perfectly done. And there are moments in that, that I will never forget. And it was, it would be amazing to see those those scenes for the first time, just where she's walking down the street with the noodles and just this, the crossing and the paths that are interwoven in that. Right. Oh man, I love it. Um, but the third film, which is kind of a little bit of a break from all of this, would be Point Break. And I watching Point Break, I think th- there's a lot of films that are just in the mainstream that you watch and you're like, oh yeah, that was great, and this is you know all this stuff. Right. And now. And then there's point break. And then there's point break. (laughs) And point break. Catherine Bigelow and her perspective working as working the way that I do in film in a collaborative state with different perspectives and the, the, you know, in the conversations now about filmmakers and whose story they're telling. That was such a male heavy dominant perspective film from a a woman's point of view and all the things that I know about Catherine Bigelow it would be incredible to watch that now for the first time knowing and being able to watch it without knowing anything about the film and just taking it as this director's perspective on who these characters are right
1: Yeah, I mean, does that make sense? No, hundred percent. I would, I would, I would maybe add to that statement is that maybe that's the perspective of of Catherine Catherine Bigelow's perspective of the film is what makes it stand the test of time. Yes, moving, you know, thirty years, thirty whatever years later
0: hundred percent because it's a different perspective. She's Correct. telling the story of characters that in theory, this industry tells us that this person can't tell, right? That yes. we don't know how to tell it.
1: We know that we are used to the male. The, and that's why when you watch other films, I think from the same time period told by in the traditional sense, storytelling point of view from men, Maybe that's one of the reasons, and and those
0: perspectives aren't wrong. No, they're just they're this is different. There is something different about this that is accentuating parts of the character and parts of their story that probably are what makes it stand the test of time. Yeah, I
1: would tell. I could
2: totally see that. Yeah, yeah. I felt that way about the first thing I saw from her was Blue Steel. Mm i took i took notice of the movie because because jamie lee Curtis is lead in that and i didn't know what to expect from it fast forward to point break what a different take like you said it's that's and i don't want to we talked about this earlier about the you know woman director versus a male director or or cinematographer and and i in a lot of ways you don't want to keep pointing that out because the the work should speak for itself and it does though like you said uh a Richard Donner version of this of point break would be totally different than the Catherine Bigelow. And it's not just because it's a male female thing. She just tells a story a different way.
0: Yes. And, and what we were talking before about having varying perspectives on one project and how important that is to not have one point of view that in essence, the story she's telling of almost these stereotypical male characters is balanced out by the fact that she does not inherently know that character there are aspects of that character that is there, that are universal. And those are the, those are the things that she pulls out because humans are, are humans and a person regardless of gender can behave in a certain way and act in a certain way. Right. And therefore you get something that feels more universally uh, understood by a broader audience. When you have multiple perspectives coming in to merge inside of those character stories.
2: Fast forward to Strange Days with her, and she carries on that same vibe where that's not, again, that's not a traditional movie in general. The story is not traditional anyway, because it's supposed to take place at that time in, in the very near future. But I was just as moved with that as I was with Point Break. Point Break, like, you know, that's, in a lot of ways, you could switch out the Keanu and, and Swayze characters for, you, you would see them sometimes in, I hate to use this phrase, but a chick flick.
1: Well, the really interesting story in Point and Break is the love story between Keanu and uh, Swayze. I mean, right. And, uh-huh. and, right. Yep. and Lori Petty's character is kind of the male role. Rever- you know, if, if this was. Right. If this know. is
0: traditional story, right. traditional Hollywood. Traditional Hollywood. It would have been reversed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I
1: feel like it's a thing that's like at the time when I saw it 30 years ago, wasn't really didn't click in my brain because I was 20 years old. And, you know, I just like, fuck, it was a kick ass action. But watching it now, I mean, it's, you know, again, and, and it
0: is still those things all and those things. And
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah. one of those movies that's sort of revisiting as a grown up with all that life experience behind me. I like the movie as much as I did then, but for different reasons. Or it's been enhanced by, you know, what I've learned, which was always there.
0: Yeah. So wouldn't it be great to be able to watch it for the first time yeah, right now? Absolutely. Totally. I mean, <laughs> we should just watch. It. We should just watch Point Break, which is such a great film. Although, I I have to say, the only thing about watching it now is that um, I mean, I've I've surfed for a very long time, and then but the more that I watch, I <laughs> you surfing. Yeah, sure. Right.
1: I'm just gonna give you a heads up. That's kind of like me when I surf. Just saying.
0: Well, but also that that his his progression of how good he got. Yeah, in short so button. quickly. <laughs>
2: It's like being someone that grew up at the beach, like I did, to watching that, you know, at that point was like, what was I, nineteen, twenty? I was, I was like, oh come on, man, <laughs> Well, how much passage of time has there been here? There's just no, there's just no way. I spent the whole summer, and <laughs> he like he did it in a week. I'm like, stop. Yeah, that. well, you <laughs> so know, movie he's magic. Really gifted.
1: He's, he's clearly gifted with that. He's, he's the one. Don't no, you guys know
0: anything? <laughs> we we knew he was the one in Point Break. Yes, he was the one then. <laughs>
2: you talk about the the aspects of uh, that movie trying to be made now. The, the the nuances that make it special now just aren't there with the well, remake. Well, they were all
1: missed in the remake, right. for sure. They,
2: they missed it. All they did was go for the, the action stuff that we talked about, which is prevalent, right? It's heavily prevalent in the original, but that's all they focused on. When you see the trailer for the remake, that's all it is, that you get 90 minutes of that trailer and it's just,
1: Yeah. They're too busy shooting finger guns and whatever, you know, whatever they were doing. They they missed, again, that point of view. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. But that's also the hardest thing in filmmaking to get right. Always. Isn't that like this underlying nuance, like the subtlety, the the glances, the looks, the the even the way that something's edited together to be able to really pull out those emotions. I think a lot of this gets lost in a lot of films lately. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially now. Yeah. And they just try to do a sequel because it it's focusing on the plot points right. and it's not fo- focusing on the emotion. Yeah.
2: Too much save the cat
0: going on. hmm <laughs> <laughs> Save that cat. Save, okay. save all the cats. Save every one of those cats.
2: <laughs> well, Fred and I talked briefly about, about cover songs and... You know uh, and how purposeless it is if you're going to make your cover sound exactly like the original why and not make it your own, why do it? And I think that with those types of remakes that's all they're, they they focus on the wrong things of trying to recreate the same thing and it's always that question of why if you're not gonna do anything special. I mean how many times have we seen the same story, not necessarily remake, but a same story being, refresh and it works even though you can you, could, you could see the skeleton you can see the frame that it was oh that's Romeo and Juliet but it still works in a different way because he made it unique he made they took the story and made it their own I find that too many remakes our cover songs as we were talking about recently they just do almost a I don't know a yeah, recreation of it it's a frame an, it by just, frame remake
1: man yeah. it's like Gus Van Zandt Psycho yeah. and it was better in black
0: and white well, it's and I don't know that this is a generalization, perhaps, but I think it's because people are afraid to actually put their own stamp on something because it might not be approved. And or, if, you, if you if you mimic the same thing, you can't go wrong because it was sure. already there. But then why bother?
1: Well, that's the thing. Nobody wants you know, sometimes people just are afraid to be great or, you know, or they're not allowed to be great. Let's say that.
0: Yeah. Yes. They're not given the opportunity. Given the opportunity. Right. There's right. restrictions put on it. I mean, we see that all the time. Every day? to work around or incorporate some of the own voice that you want to have inside of parameters that are of not of your creating. Right.
2: It's, a, it's amazing how much love that movie has now. It, and, it, it was, and I remember when it came out, people were kind of like, they had a hard time digesting both the guys, both Patrick and, and Keanu. Because and, they were out of sorts. It, like how far removed from Bill and Ted was Keanu at that point? And
1: that was like two years. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I get it. But I mean, was it, was it not? A, I mean, I feel like it was, I don't know. I was all in, man. I saw it. It's, I thought I saw it. I think I know. I actually know exactly where I saw it. I saw it at the Chinese theater in Hollywood when it was still called the Chinese theater. Maybe like the first weekend it came out. Oh, I and definitely saw it opening weekend too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing in the day, no one was there. There wasn't like a printout, like, you know, four hours into your Friday afternoon of like how much, what movies were failing at the box office and they weren't poisoning the well then. So I don't know, I guess maybe if it was, I just didn't know. I, in my 30 year ago memories, you know, it was, it came out, people loved it (laughs) and then, you know, it, it, it just snowballed till now and it's, it's even more revered now. I mean, I know that they just did, um, I think they had just screened it. I remember mean, if I'm saying just is before COVID, but there was a big screening at the Egyptian. I think American Cinematheque did something. They did like a Catherine Bigelow, uh, not retrospect, but I think it was series. A, yeah, screening like a series. screening series. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess maybe it wasn't a hit at the time, but it's one of those movies that definitely like pop culture, like The Dead Presidents. I mean, there's so much of pop culture. Yeah in today to the, the people make reference, you know, it's a movie that's quoted. It's a movie that, you know, you see dead presidents shirts, you see, I mean, it, it's all those things. So it, to me, it's definitely like sort of an iconic piece of filmmaking, um, you know, that has to the test of time and maybe it's better, you know, maybe, I bet more people have seen it now than maybe the it in it's original run, I guess.
0: I think that's the case. I don't. I don't yeah. know these kind of statistics yeah. off at all. I don't all, either.
1: But. I'm just rattling right now. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I would like to talk.
0: But I, I think it's. A, I think it's these kinds of films that were really popular at the time before I knew anything about filmmaking, to then go back and watch again and say, oh, right, that that you know sh- she was given an opportunity to make this film and look what she was able to do with that.
1: Well, she was also coming right off of Near Dark, which is a is a very uh, again uh, a re- the reason I feel like that movie is successful is exactly the same reason that Point Break is successful because it was a genre horror western hybrid told from a woman's point of view. These mm-hmm. vampire, you know what I mean. I just think she has a unique voice, like all of her films. Yeah, uh, swing, no. b- swing and miss, K nineteen, The Widowmaker. I don't dislike it, and it, it. But it's not a. It's not without merit, and the the fact that she was able to, you know, those early movies pushed her into a direction where she was able to take bigger risks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the way up into Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, which you know she was finally rewarded and recognized as a you know as an Oscar winning filmmaker. Whatever you think of the Oscars or not, but that's the pay, you know, and she kind of stayed true to her you know, her vision and, and her voice, like, all the mm-hmm. Yeah, through. There was never a moment you're like, oh, come mm-hmm. on, Kathy, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, she made her mark and she did her thing.
0: Yeah, and, and to the point we were talking about earlier with sort of visual language and voices, if there, you can have a cohesive voice as a filmmaker, a lot of different kinds of films that you make. Right, yeah. and, oh, exactly. and that's 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 right. the thing that makes you great is that you can take this voice that you have and and it transcends genre and it transcends right. story. Yeah, it's you're not making the
1: same movie nine times, right? You know, nine different variations of the same thing.
2: That was a big thing too when they were promoting the movie was they, they put James Cameron's like name out front because it was a name people recognized, even though you know they they always presented it as if he was the director on it and. And that I, that always bothered me, Be, not in the moment of seeing the movie, but afterwards, I'm like, well, that doesn't. That's when I started learning about the <laughs> the game that is, you know, marketing a film <laughs> and, and the way they they shape a, 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 a how a movie got made. It, and I just uh, get it, one of those things. That, it, just, it planted the seed of of where I'm at now, whether where it just annoys me sometimes <laughs> with the way they use it to promote things. <laughs> Catherine's voice, like you mentioned. It, She's always, even though the 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 characters are male, uh, the the leads are always. I don't know. I, I want to say it's a little more ambiguous about. If you could put anybody. it Doesn't have to be a male or female. You could put anybody in that role. It's very a uh, very neutral gender um situation. We're, or in the but traditionally we would have seen a woman in those roles. That it, it, it where it was just painted differently. And you see, like you, you mentioned, near dark. You know that that was. That one is not a, lot, not a lot different than Strange Days. Usually the way Hollywood would have painted those two lead characters, they would have painted them like, in oh, the woman that's wanting the man as opposed to what she presented. You know, we've talked a lot about Catherine with that movie. One of the things that was so special about it was Don Peterman's imagery. And he's we talked before about having a voice that adapts to the, the, the work that they're doing. Don's work is so prolific. Did you just see that the, the the comedies that he did, but then also to do something like like Star Trek Four or Get Shorty or Speechless or Adams Family Values, but Point Break he brought something unique because he he hadn't done an action movie before, and but he brought the certain when you had the action moments it's super wide, but when he had those intimate moments he was like right on the faces and i think that's what helps sell the whole story and and kind of makes it so much more cohesive between keanu and patrick's characters but you bottom line is it's a love story for no i mean we're not there's no pun there it's like it's true and and lori petty's character really is the third wheel my dad saw this movie early, early on he didn't go to movies a lot so i brought this home on laserdisc yes that long ago <laughs> and he you know what he said to me he said this is like that movie, making love and with falls. King Jackson, yes, <laughs> falls in love with you know, with another man. It was like it's it's like my dad goes because at, the, at the, head the surface that's what it is. And I'm like, I sat there and thought about it. I'm like, wow, you're right. It's a, <laughs> it really is the the whole bank robbery thing, the whole you know, investigation of uh, of the the string of robberies. It really is just surrounding. It's it's background. The, the whole main story is about the relationship between the two, the two men. It's so funny for my dad, who's usually very, very conservative pick up on that. I'm like, wait, when did you watch making love? That's so not your movie. Dad. Early
1: cable, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh.
2: Another thing I would think, well, I'm
1: going to say, speaking from experience for me, uh, and this might be a reason, you know, for the department heads and such working with Catherine, I am forced to, Working with you and Sarah and uh, Olivia Milch and Hillary Sparrow, people like. Sometimes I am pushing directions I wouldn't necessarily go on my own if I was working with a male director and a male cinematographer because it's 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 a different mm-hmm. it, it's a different point of view. That I'm not that I'm not open to it. I've just not asked to go there. So I mean, I think all that plays into this as well, like the cinematography, the design. I mean, if if you're looking at those elements of Point Break as well, those are other things. You know, it's everything. It's not just like the characters or you know the the, the love triangle, any of that. It's it's the entire uh, project mm-hmm. across the board.
0: Yeah, and you can take that and go even farther to say that. It's not just important to have those two different kinds of perspectives, but to have a range of different perspectives from a vast, you know, like wealth of people. And if, if you're just because your film is about a certain kind of person doesn't mean that that's the certain kind of person that needs to make it. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't need a quarterback to direct a movie,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> About a quarterback.
0: but also it goes it, and it goes in both directions. Absolutely. And there's experiences that I have working with just different people that are going to push me in a direction that I'm like, okay. And I have to say like, there's certain parts of infamous when I was working with Josh, I was like, this is, this is what we're doing here. All right. This is what we're going to do here. And it wasn't about uh, a, a perspective about a character. It was just about trying to push something. Like we really tried on that film to also push boundaries a little bit of what we thought we could get away with and what we thought we could do. Right. Um, and it, it it worked for the most part.
1: Well, it's risk taking, right? It goes back to that, you know, we're, you know, sometimes more money equates less risk for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. but when mm-hmm. you're you know mm-hmm. when you're making a film the thing is you want to take those risks to stand out from
0: everything yeah. else
1: so you know i mean sometimes people are concerned about budgets and things you know again it's project to project right like if a project's interesting and it's 2 million dollars you suck it up for Eight weeks. Six yeah, but weeks, because whatever. also set
0: up two million dollars, you can take some big risks because yeah. they're like, all right, this is gonna right. be the thing.
1: This is what we. This is what's gonna set this apart, and then that's what you do, and you swing, and you, you you either you either crush it or you miss it, and right. But
0: they. But you're let you're allowed but, but to you're do. But you're allowed it. to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was the budget of Point Break? I wonder. 24,
1: 24. 24 Yeah. I mean, so that's a pretty healthy budget, but at the time, if you look at other films, like those lethal weapon films, 24 million is not a lot of money to make a big action movie like that. No. Yeah. 1990 Mm -mm. or 91. That's the equivalent of probably what we're working on right now. Like a tier two.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When point break came out, it came out my birthday weekend. So that's one of the reasons why I'm like, Oh, I want to see point break on my, my birthday And people are like, wait, you want to see that movie with the dude from Dirty Dancing? Because for most people, they don't even, they they hadn't even like paid attention. Most of my friends weren't into movies like I was. So yeah, they had seen Red Dawn, but they most certainly didn't go see Dirty Dancing. Oh, that's a chick movie. That's the kind of thing I'd hear from my buddies back then. I I mean, definitely. But I'm like, no, no, this is, this looks really fun. And then I, I mean, it shows you, this is going to, I'm going to prove to you why, (laughs) why the whole (laughs) marketing worked. I'm like, no, dude, James Cameron did this. <laughs> so I, I went by myself and which I often have done. And over the years is like, I want to go see something that interests me. And I came out of there and, and being up with my buddies later, I'm like, you have no idea how good this movie is. You're so fun. Half my buddies were surfers. So they're like going on or whatever. So we all went and saw it the next weekend and half of them dug it and half of them didn't, but now it's funny catching up with them a few years ago, they all love it. It's kind of, yeah. right. <laughs> it's it's funny how much time changing and, and, and experiences in life change how you see things. And that's kind of a point of when we do these. Right, filmesia,
1: you go back and you, yeah. you know, so you're looking with all that knowledge of the last 30 years informing you forward and then when you look at you know yeah i mean that's what makes that's what that's what you know what are they what's the term i hate i what's that term i hate rewatchability there are movies like point break is a perfect one for that reason and you know and i think if you were to go back and look at other movies that came out that i can't even really tell you what other movies came out that summer um if unless i was unless i was to cheat and you know
0: your new stat man, Mike, would know that. Yeah, Mike He would rattle them off text for you. Him. I could text what him right movies,
2: now. What movies came <laughs> out the same week yeah. as Point Break in 1991? See what, see what, and Corey, see what he who will really know. Yeah, well, you know, I can tell you what came out that summer. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> But it's also one of those films that like, you kind of just don't know what to put on if you want something on. Just put on point break. Yeah. There's I mean, a lot it's, of those. No, you can it's just totally like.
1: There's a, there's a thing that I, uh, there's movies that I can come into. And this is how I know, this is how I know movies for me. This is how I mark mo- the timeless movies. If I can walk in to a movie in progress, sit down and watch it from that point on. You're good. I'm good.
0: I also have to admit something. Sometimes I have, I have only visual memories of films so somebody starts talking to me about a movie, I'll be like, I don't, did not see that. Watch it for ten seconds. I'm like, yep, saw this. Sure, absolutely <laughs> saw this movie. <laughs> well,
1: again, it's the visual, because that, I have that's what to you see do. it. You shoot the pictures, Eve.
0: <laughs> Jesus. And it happens all the time. I'm like, no, I didn't see that. Just say the title, say everything. I'm like, no, yeah, you I not think did, I saw that. You did that the other day. What was I'm it? sure. I'm sure.
1: Was it the Keanu Reeves trailer? Was <laughs> <That> we <laughs> we ma- it the new
0: Matrix? No. No, we it was the just Keanu
1: Reeves. We went on a writer thing. Oh,
0: yeah. That's right. Destination <laughs> Wedding. Yes. I saw oh, that right. movie. Right. Yeah. But I forgot that I saw that movie. But I saw that movie. I actually really like that movie. See? But I'm a Keanu Reeves fan, so what am yeah, I going to say? Right?
1: I mean, come on. Who's not a Keanu Reeves fan?
2: Liars. So that's you. Yeah. Or, 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 or you're also wired in a certain way to say, I've seen something, and then you go to watch it again, like we've done for this show. And like I'm like, we... I forgot what movie it was, Freddie, that we were. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen it, but I'm rewatching it again for the show. And I'm like three quarters of the way through. I'm like, I have never seen this movie before, even though you haven't. <laughs> well, well, that it. has
0: what? never happened to me. There's oh, never yeah. a movie that I think I've seen
1: that I actually haven't. It's happened a couple of times. Like, uh, uh, like I, I'm trying to remember what it was.
2: Yeah. So I think
0: I've just seen nothing. It doesn't happen off with me, but it,
2: it happened on something we were doing for a show. And I'm like, I got way to the end. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't have any recollection of this movie. But I'm usually like you, Eve. I'm usually falling in line with. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. And then start watching. And I'm like, oh wait, I've seen this before.
0: I think it's about how somebody describes it. Like if you need me to remember something, you have to describe like what it looked like. Like yes. I need to know a frame from it, or I need to know like something that would have stood out to my brain.
1: Right. Not so much like the dialogue
2: set yeah, setup. Um,
0: right, or, right. Or what happens between the characters. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that.
2: That's why I found like when I look at, when I when I see his lookbooks or oh gosh what's the other site that I we we always frequent Shot Deck Shot Deck, Shot deck. seriously I could look at Shot Deck all, I'll pull up on my iPad and I will look at it all day long and what's great is when I look at a lookbook I don't even and I I preferred that by the way because then, then I'm challenging myself what movie is that what movie is that what movie is that Shot Deck it's always like right in your face but Freddie had shown me his lookbook for. And I, and I knew every shot except for one and I had to ask him about it, but it's like, that's what I'm a lot like that or Mm -hmm. being more of a writer too. I can, you give me a line of dialogue then it's like, Oh, what is that? It's when I'm putting my head down the pill at the end of the night where after not remembering and then, then I remember it or I'm driving and I'm not thinking about anything and it pops into my head. Oh, it was that movie. It's funny Mm -hmm. how how your brain works like that.
0: It is, and I get really frustrated trying to explain the frame to someone. I start to try to draw it or something and try to be like, what is this movie? And no one has any idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, no, it's the guy in the car, and the thing hits them, and the something happens and it's raining.
1: I think I've I've been a part of at least three of those conversations. Yeah,
0: they last about 10 minutes and I give up. I'm just like, all right, never
1: mind. It's like charades.
0: And then I'll think of it 20 minutes later. Yeah, but with words and just and some drawings. And some drawings. (laughs) Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth?
1: It's like Pictionary, but with yelling is what it's like. It's a
0: Pictionary with yelling. Yes. Pictionary yes. with yelling. That's actually, that's a, it's a great title for one of my
1: memoirs. Yeah. Or just pointing and yelling is the other one. That's that's, new, the, that's the flip book. That's the flip book. Pointing and yelling. I'm working on it right now. But You'll
2: speak, see. Thinking of that moment in When Harry Met Sally, I think everybody that's played Pictionary to some degree or just goes, has experienced that frustration of being partnered sure. with somebody like... You're not even close to what I'm trying to do. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the antithesis of, of collaboration and being agreeable on things. And it's funny, but you, I, I also want to mention something real quick. I know Spirit of Beehive and for a lot of people in the Move for Love aren't movies that they've seen. Um, they're both available on the Criterion channel. So if you haven't gotten a Criterion channel, if you haven't used your trial yet, go use your trial. This is an ad.
1: There's okay. two reasons right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they're both on there. Um, if you want to, if you're, but if you're, if you're like us and you, and you want to have your physical copy, Beehive is available on DVD and in the mood for love. If you got a Blu-ray player, if you don't, I mean, I, I don't know what you're doing. That movie is so gorgeous. <laughs> Get the Blu-ray and it's got a ton, ton of extra stuff in it. And if you're looking for Point Break, you don't own that. it. You, I don't know you anymore.
0: Just, just own Point <laughs> just Break. Just buy already. it. Oh, Jesus. So they just re-released the In the Mood for Love in a new restoration. Did you just say that about yes.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. that's what you're did doing you Did you? Did you buy it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It's good. It's wonderful. Looks amazing. Well, those movies are one six six. And I thought that
0: was. Just saying that I picked that. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I was, yeah.
2: I love the choice of, of for in the mood for love at that time to, to have a more intimate framing like that, as opposed to 73, it makes a lot of a lot more sense because you weren't doing a whole lot of that back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, but what a gorgeous movie Wong made with that. Cause you're so, pfft. but yeah. It's like, literally the
1: kind of movie. I mean, if you're a person who's like, oh, I hate subtitles, you, you could literally watch it with the sound off. and It doesn't matter. Oh,
0: you don't have to. Yeah. It
1: does. sounds not required.
0: No. It's no, a,
1: it's a visual.
0: It's a visual cinematic masterpiece.
1: Is it a perfect movie? Because we always we always have this discussion. Is there such thing as a perfect movie? Is it a perfect movie, Eve?
0: Well, if it's a perfect movie sometimes. Yes. When I... There's no, yeah. no right or wrong answer. I'm, oh, not, yes. I'm not judging. The answer is yes, sometimes. Okay. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes it's absolutely the perfect
2: movie. There you go. I, I remember somebody saying Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, like Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect movie. But then they start talking about the mistakes. I'm like going, do you understand a perfect movie just means... Did you, did, was it effective? Did it do what it was supposed to do? And every time do you watch it, do you feel the same way or more that you felt last time? You feel, I always feel like that just because there's, I mean, those mistakes, those little nuances are what make it, make it special. It, it's, it, I don't who wants perfect. I don't, I mean, even people when they shoot digital now, right? They shoot digital and it's super clean, but what are they doing? They're adding green back in. They're trying to put those imperfections back in.
0: Yeah. We can also redefine perfection. That would be fine with me. Yeah.
2: That's
1: what I'm saying. We can, yeah. we can redefine perfection and perfection is a thing that can shift.
0: And perfection for me is things that are in Moment's the moment. moment. Yeah. yeah. It's a moment perf- right now that that's, that's a, that, that frame, that thing that we're doing right now on this job and this set in this location, that's perfect. Right. It's perfect for this moment. Right. Do I have two more hours? going to be perfect if I have two more hours, but I don't have two more right. hours. And so sometimes more time right doesn't make things perfect. No. And then I just, so then I just start inching things, like inch, that. inch. Eve, why are you moving one piece of fabric it's centimeters?
2: <laughs> well, Eve, what do you how what do you feel about that that whole phrase of of guilty pleasure? I've never been a big fan of it. Um, I hear people apply it to music a lot more, but to me, music is it either moves you or it doesn't. Look, either likes stuff or you don't. I mean, I don't have to make any exactly to like anything.
0: Yeah, the, uh, guilty pleasure is like it's, it's more the idea for me that you should be allowed to indulge in something that you feel like you, who's telling you that you're guilty. Right. Like, where is that guilt coming from? Right. Then we can, then we can analyze guilty pleasure. Yeah, yes.
1: That's, you yeah, we can do that on the next time we have Yvonne.
2: I mean, I, I only apply it anymore to to food. <laughs> I don't apply it to, to any any creative endeavor. I'm like, no, man, if you dig it, you dig it. That's all that matters to me. But
0: yeah. food is like your own body being like, don't do this to me. Oh. And then you're like, no, but I want to. <laughs> and I find I
2: find myself if somebody says they like like a particular movie and I wasn't fond of it, I'm more intrigued. Like, I want to know what it is about it that you like.
0: Yeah, I, li- I think again, back to this perspective, which has been most of this conversation is that Whatever your perspective is, you're bringing to that film. I, well, I'm not seeing it. Something I'm missing. I want to know what I'm missing.
1: What did yeah? What did I miss? What were they giving? What were they putting in it? What did they put in for you and everyone else that I didn't get?
0: Yeah, there's only some films. Which, off the record, we'll talk about those. That like sure. consistently, I'm like, no, that was not a good movie. I don't know why that won anything or did <laughs> yeah, anything. I have a whole list. No, so. <laughs> you can't convince me that that was good, but. But right. I'm still interested to see someone, hear someone else's perspective on it, even if I'm not going to Yeah, you're not going to sway me,
1: but I'm still willing to hear the, uh, you know, you, I'll give you your 15 minutes.
2: <laughs> from a storytelling perspective, being a writer too, is like, I've always felt like I learned more from uh, things that don't work. And I find myself saying, hey, I'm going to take that idea and let, let me fix what I feel is quote unquote not working. And I've written a ton of stuff that way where it just, I, all right, we'll do my version of this, but like you talked about it before, it's a collaborative effort. You know, nobody sets out to make a bad movie unless you're Lloyd Kaufman. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't care what it is, but nobody sets out to make a bad movie and just some things along the way, kind of get Where you talk about the collaborative side of things and, and agreeable points of view and disagreeable points of view where you come to an agreement on things. And that's, to me, that's what you end up getting a movie that works or doesn't work. And that's, that's really the, the, the difficult part.
0: And those, those differing perspectives, if you can highlight aspects of them in various characters, you've satisfied different kinds of audience members, right? Like right. you can, everyone can find somebody that's relatable or somebody that there's right. the... You
2: know, the one that is familiar. When we saw South of Heaven, I was I love the shit out of it. Of course, I'm 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 listening to Freddie, like or listening, he texted me about updates about the things and, and what's happening on the shoot. And seeing it with an audience at Beyond Fest, it was like, oh man, they're getting it too. I'm feeling the same thing they're feeling and the the beats that hit, dramatic beats that hit, the surprising beats that hit, the, the humorous beats that hit. Everything worked, and then when to see follow-ups from people like reviews when they see the movie and they're they're putting their blog out. I'm like, what movie did you see? I'm mean, like, I don't the 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 criticisms don't make any sense sometimes. And sometimes I think people just criticize a movie, and it's it's and it's sometimes they're doing it just to be critical as opposed to. I feel like some people go out of their way to go into a movie and not want to be entertained and not want to be moved, and I. That's just the wrong way of going into a sit down to see anything.
0: Or they're not going into it with an open mind to be able to just watch something. And I, I also, I think it's important to find critics that you think you're in line with. Yeah,
1: totally. And also I feel like the word critic uh, Mm. doesn't, you know what I mean? I mean, anybody who can like, you know, use their phone to, you know, I mean, letterbox, places like that. Right. Everybody's a critic now. I mean, and I think that's the other thing too is like some people are just not going to. Uh, there's some people who their whole thing is just to be contrarian. So like, it right. doesn't matter. They, they don't even know if they like. Doesn't matter to them if they like it or not. They've they've already either made up their mind or, or or it's just their thing to be you know negative or or overly positive or whatever it is. It goes both ways right. because you know I've seen movies that I was like I don't that did nothing for me and then you know I read six hundred like reviews of people who would like to love it <laughs> and they're explaining why. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I still it didn't do it for me. But you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing about film anyway. I, I feel right. It's like, if we all like the same film, we'd get the same movie, which seems like we kind of do now. These they, we kind of are getting the same movies over and over, but that's like another, that's a whole, that's movie. a whole other
0: thing. There are a lot of movies being made now. Yeah. There's
1: a lot. There's so much content. I can't even watch it all or keep up. with. No, all.
0: I don't have any time. Yeah.
1: I don't have time working.
0: Making them. Making them. Time to watch them, which <laughs> makes me
1: sad. Right. The only thing I think I've watched is, well, I've watched three movies here. Kate, uh, Licorice Pizza, and The Matrix.
0: Did I watch Kate?
1: Yeah, with, uh, Kat, with Winstead. Uh, Kate uh, the, Winstead,
2: the, 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 the hit, uh, the, the revenge you know, the movie. Girl,
1: the, the Yakuza. You watched it with me and Mike. <laughs> no recollection. <laughs> What did it look like? It was it was it was all neon. It was shot in oh, Tokyo. Oh yeah 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 right yes. She got it, No, nope. got it, Johnson. got it, got it, got it. Oh uh, yes. Let Kate. me see. Frame. Yes.
2: yes.
0: yes.
2: No, I got it. I got it. Kate, I did my letterbox year in to see what I watched, and I, you know I only. I and honestly, sounds funny, but I only watched 180 movies last year, and I haven't, haven't like watched that many. I haven't watched that many. I was talking to a friend, he's like, and he had seen like 150 more movies. I mean, he almost doubled up. I mean, he's like, he's like, well, how did you, you have a movie podcast. How'd that happen? I said, you watch more movies because I have a movie podcast that it takes up my first spare time of recording and editing. So if I, if we do this two episodes a week and the recording and the editing takes up five hours of my week, well, there's two, two and a half movies right there that I don't get to watch. Multiply that times 50 weeks out of the year. And there you go. That's why you see more movies than me.
0: But we get to talk about them. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: And you know what I saw more than anything last year? I watched *Malignant* three times.
0: <laughs> so that was like, oh wow. Uh, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it
2: once. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I. It's funny you were talking about movies that people just don't. You know, that doesn't connect. Yes, with them. I'm
1: in the crowd that hates it. Yeah, I know that. I didn't like *Malignant*. It did nothing for me. I was like, it, it, whatever they were, whatever they were dealing out, I just wasn't buying into it. Yeah. <laughs> And we talked about resurrection. And I like this. kind. Of, I mean, I'm a, It should have been a slam dunk for me. I just it just didn't do it for me.
2: We talked about 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 you and I talked about resurrections, Freddie. And and that what I the best stuff that I love about the movie is like is once you get past Lana being all super meta the first forty five minutes of the movie, I'm like, oh yes, you fought with Warner Brothers over making a movie without you, and but this is it. This you decided to make the movie anyway. I but I like the moments with Carrie and Keanu, and I love. I mean, oh. I,
1: let's get Eve's take on that.
0: Mm, the that coffee a, shop scene. The coffee shop Give scene. What yeah. did you say? I, right after it was like, I, I, the scene was over, and I was like, "Oh, that was not that exciting." <laughs> <laughs> I think she looked around I was like what just happened there that went on for a long time <laughs> Mike like, Freddie I think you liked it no Mike liked Mike it, liked I was it. Like, he was like that was so moving and I was like I missed something I definitely missed something no. there
2: it, and you know what I'm with Mike not the initial coffee shop scene but when the two of them come back together and they're sitting down together Um. that yeah I would I'm with Mike I love that I'm scene I'm dead inside <laughs> it's true Freddie
0: I didn't feel much <laughs> <laughs> I have
2: to say, though, like what has been going on the last two years of, uh, of well, let's say, I mean, we've all consumed more entertainment the last couple of years than probably the two previous years combined. I mean, I would have to think.
0: Yeah, because everybody's home and, yeah. you know.
2: Right. Given the state of the world. Do. Yeah. I found that because you end up watching, you end up watching so many. Well, mostly you're, you're it's not because you have the free time, but you're also trying to Escape, which has always been about movies and television. Anyway, it's always been about escaping, you know, reality for a little bit and kind of being in a different world. I find that more movies that we have coming out now that are being affected by the way things have been the last couple of years, with with production being more difficult because of well, for a variety of reasons. But like with you guys now, I mean, this is your second movie for both of you, right? For COVID, as far as like dealing with the yeah the 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 delicate nature and prep for and stand by waiting for people to get checked out departments which used to be multiple departments could be on set at once, prepping, but now it's got to come in cycles sort of uh, sort of sort <laughs> depending of, on the movie right
0: I mean it also shifted with vaccinations and everything too right
2: when you already you already have the challenges of of making a movie or making a television show, the last thing you need is confusion. On something that's already disruptive to something that you're used to having, um, just the just the challenges of making a movie have that uh, modified and in, in uh, challenges increase because you have to go through these protocols now and then have mixed information. Last thing you need is miscommunication that seems to be pretty prevalent even even after this last year. The thing that's made this
1: movie, I'm I'm actually, we had a very short prep and we've had, uh, we we were tested, we are tested a lot on this movie. Like we, you know, this movie kind of, you know, we're almost through it and, uh, you know, we've had some bumps in the road, but, um, you know, it's been pretty painless as far as that
2: end goes. Um... I think, I feel like we can talk for hours and I don't want to, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't totally. want to disrupt your days off because you guys are, you know, I know you guys wanted to enjoy your
0: days off. Days off. <laughs> I don't even know what you're off. talking about. I've been working all morning. <laughs> I
2: mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> this day. is,
0: this is my break. It's Define lovely. days
1: off. This, yeah, this is Eve's first break in the day. And uh, probably, I mean, I've I worked for a little bit, but not
2: really work. I drove around in my car. You, when you had, when you texted me, Freddie said that you were that that you have had to deal with some production issues. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, do whatever, man. I'm, I totally get it. So <laughs> totally, if you're not, if you're not, if you, if you don't have any elasticity when it comes to this business, you're, you're, you're kind of screwed. Yeah.
0: yeah, totally true statement yeah. across all of it, even right. down to the last second of things, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'll we'll have lots to talk about. We'll do we'll do another episode. We'll do a follow up zo- episode follow soon. Post oh, yeah. Zoe. Says. Post Zoe uh, with
0: with movie watching. With point, yes, break. point break.
1: Commentary. <laughs> Seriously. Fan I mean commentary.
2: We we our our fan commentaries have always what usually but only one, right? Just the Nick Cage one. Because we do that. Does she know about Disencaged? No. Okay, we do, <laughs> <She> <laughs> we do watches we do, this? We do a thing called Disencaged where we cold watch a Nick Cage movie. <laughs> Where we never, and like, one of his smaller movies that we've, that never, seen. That we've never seen, like, it's on Prime or something like that. And we've done that. you like, should
1: do the one he was shooting in Montana when we were there. Oh, yeah. I so, was just going to say that.
0: <laughs>
2: because he directed that one, right? No, no, not that one. Oh, the no, next he was prepping. He was also prepping for, to direct. He was direct. prepping the one he was right. directing. The
0: next one he directed that yeah. was there? Oh, I didn't know the that. One that. The one that, one that everybody, went my whole crew went yeah. to work on. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah. he's direct. He was directing that one. So <sighs> we, we everything we had done was cold watch, except for we got to Sorcerer's Apprentice, right? I had seen it and you hadn't. And, right. But most of the commentaries that we've done have been movies that Freddie was, you know, was, you know, 80, uh, or, sorry, our director on or production designer on. And- so that was the f- first mainstream movie that, that we did with Cage, but we, I mean, we've been wanting to do a movie like Point Break where it's that kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it'd be like a filmnesia, you know, commentary where we can talk well, about-
1: Well, it would also be good just to have like a, like a sane person in yes. between yeah. us d- with doing the-
0: uh, Am I the sane person?
1: You know, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> we'll <laughs> the voice of reason.
0: Very pragmatic.
2: <laughs> That's good.
0: <laughs>
2: well, my, I mean, I, again, I, I feel like we can go for hours and I've, I, I've already like feel a certain kinship with you even. And, and I felt the same way about Derek and there is, because we all are fans of, of movies. And because of that, it's easy to talk. When you have an easy conversation with people like we've had and, uh, I know enough about what your job entails. So it's easy for me to kinda keep a conversation going. But I I I've always been I mean, obviously if it wasn't clear, I'm a I'm the tech guy on the side of things. I get the tech side. I don't have the kind of artistry you have when it comes to to framing and, and all that stuff. But it uh I I appreciate you coming on and I have a feeling not just the commentary coming up, but I feel like, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be a regular <laughs> if, if you're if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll test my memory. Maybe the next time it'll be film we <laughs> will say exactly the same three movies and be like, did I say this last I say time? I don't remember. Did I, have I, have I seen Point Break? Did we talk Break? about
2: Point Break? Did not yeah. we
0: talk about In the Moon for Love? You know,
2: we tr- we, we'll we trick everybody. We'll watch the remake. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> God. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, like I need more a, than a
0: fishbowl of wine for that one. I've seen it. I've seen we the, the 90s. Yeah, we'd I, need a, like,
2: uh, box of wine. Box I've, wine. I've seen... I've seen
1: box wine viewing... <laughs>
2: I've seen 90, the 92nd 90 trailer. And that's all I've ever seen. of it And that's all I've ever give it. Cause I, I've heard enough pe- from people that I trust. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's just a giant music video. I'm like, Oh, well that's nice. Well, I yeah. I don't need to watch. <laughs> I'll watch, I'll watch Catherine's movie again. Cause I know what I'm getting. Yeah.
0: Exactly.
2: Yes. Anyway. So I, I know you have a website.
0: I do. I do have a website. It is my full name, Eve M Cohen.com. Uh, I try to keep it up to date with things. Um yeah. And you and have a and you,
2: and you have an Instagram as well?
0: I, I was just gonna say I have an Instagram. I like to post a lot of behind the scenes stuff on there. Probably very late, not not actually when it's happening. Not in moments. Not in moments. I'm not I'm not a live insta. My Instagram is Eve Cohen DP. But yeah, lots of stuff on there. And I think uh I mean I can talk about movies for a long time. <laughs> Cause believe it or not, there's some other Eve Coens out there. Sure. <laughs> You can
2: see a BTS photo uh, somewhere in there of you and Freddie prepping during mending, uh, prepping for a scene.
0: Yes. Freddie is very elusive, um, <laughs> but I did manage to get him onto the Instagram. Yeah. In mind. Yes. In a picture. At least once. Yeah. He's there.
1: <laughs> I bet you I have more pictures of you on this movie than you have of me.
0: Probably. That's probably true.
1: Because you're always in the frame.
0: Because I'm always running around doing something. But that picture was actually, I think... The one on my Instagram is inside of Ike's house It's yeah. that location and that was maybe 15 minutes before I discovered the bowl of peanuts that you had put on the set which I'm do. allergic Chris to. Didn't. No, you did. No, that. really.
1: <laughs> it's <was> supposed <laughs> to be walnuts, man.
0: Peanuts. That Ugh, is the allergen.
1: I felt horrible. <laughs> and I didn't know it but I didn't realize how allergic to peanuts you were. It would be like if you gave me a I salad with tomatoes t- in it. <laughs>
0: I might have done that
1: <laughs> after telling me i might do that
0: because <laughs> i have a bad memory Except premeditated so, <laughs> but that but that photograph is me looking like i'm looking towards freddie for like i'm gonna move the lamp over here and then the next step after that i was like are those peanuts
1: <laughs> and, and yeah not only peanuts but they were shelled i was gonna so ask they're, they're shelled even, yeah. like, they're more airborne when they're like the husks. Yeah,
0: Anyway, all of this excitement you can find on my Instagram. Yeah,
1: totally. Now you have a backstory.
2: <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, if you want to follow our show it's on Twitter, you know it's at Karate Pod, same with the Instagram, which doesn't have anything. I think the last thing I posted was Oswald. You follow Cory on letterbox at Corey underscore culp. And if you want to support the show on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash K I T G podcast. And I promise you you're gonna get a little bit of extra from this conversation on the on the Patreon side.
1: Uh, if you want to follow me, you can f- still follow me at Instagram at rock and roll with 33. There's just nothing new there because I'm <laughs> locked out and I refuse to give them my birth date and all those information, but I am still there. So, you know, enjoy, uh, or you can follow me on Letterboxd, same place, Tom Cody at letterboxd.com. That's Tom Cody at letterboxd.com.